Hello and welcome to On Mission, a podcast from the Catholic Apostolate Center. My name is Chris Pierno, and I'm joined by Father Frank Donio and Kate Fowler, and we'll be discussing liturgical music with our guest, Emily Lomnitzer. Emily, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. So why, why don't uh, before we dive into into the discussion, why don't you give the listeners just a little bit of background on on uh, why why we're bringing you on to talk about liturgical music today? Sure. So I've been doing sacred music since I was in high school. I was an organist at my home parish, and I went on to study vocal performance when I was in college and in graduate school. And when I was there, I started my work as a cantor and freelance professional sacred musician, which is what I do to this day. I'm also a uh, choir director of the youth choir for the Diocese of Bridgeport. When I was at CUA, I also was the director of liturgy and music for campus ministry for three years. And I've really been doing sacred music now for, I guess, almost 15 years. It's my full-time job, so I'm very passionate about it. That's incredible. Emily, can you tell our listeners too, just a little bit about what defines sacred music as apart from other music that we might hear on the radio or that we might be singing in our car. Sure. So sacred music is music that's written for the purpose of the liturgy, whether that mostly in the context of mass, but also for other liturgies like benediction or holy hour as well as for processions and things like that. Anything that's written for the liturgy. Emily, what are some of the ways in which sacred music, and and maybe let's, let's differentiate the terms here. Some people will use the term liturgical music. Some people, and a a number of people who study the, the topic will talk about sacred music. How would you define that? Or where, where does that, some will even talk about that they're, pastoral musicians or that they're, with regard to, to that piece, how would you define uh, these, some of these terms for us? Sure. So there's a lot of, you know, discussion on, on what's considered liturgical versus sacred. You know, liturgical could mean, you know, the song mass parts, like music, like the song juice, the holy, holy, or the glory to God would be more strictly liturgical. You know, sacred music can extend to anything written that its purpose is prayer. In my opinion, anything that is sacred can fit into the context of liturgy, whether that is as a meditation, a prelude, something during the Mass. You know, sacred music really can be anything from Gregorian chant all the way to praise and worship music. It, it really is a huge umbrella of, of music that you can sort of use to pray. People often have very strong opinions about music that's, that, that is used in, in, in liturgies. And some, many times people will go from 
place to place to find the particular liturgical music or sacred music that they find appealing. How in the in the field of sacred music, how are some of these things seen and, and what what is the way in which this connects with the church's teachings on some of these matters? Sure. So as many genres as there are non-sacred music, there are for sacred music. So it really covers any kind of taste or preference. And people have very strong tastes about secular music. So of course, they have very strong tastes about sacred music. You know, the church allows for so many different types of sacred music and instruments as well within the context of liturgies. It allows for different cultural preferences, regional preferences, um, and people have very strong, you know, likes and dislikes. And it's always challenging as a musician and a music director to, you know, narrow down what will best suit a community or a liturgy type or, you know, trying to create a variety while still maintaining the quality. But the church allows, uh, you know, in the teachings for such a, a rich variety of music as well as instruments and, you know, languages. But it does create a bit of a challenge because there is all of that variety and some people don't really love every variety. <laughs> so I, one, one thing that's been at the top of my mind prepping for this particular episode of On Mission and, and just thinking about you know, music in, in general within the context of church. Could you walk us through how maybe you make you as a music director or director of liturgy or whatever the ter- the proper term might be, how, how, how you go about choosing, you know, if it's just left up to you, would you, do you normally get some direction? Are you pulling some, are you pulling from information? Are there, are there general Obviously, there are, you know, at Christmas, we play Christmas music and at Easter, we play Easter music. But, you know, how do you go through that process of deciding what to what to do? So if I'm coming into a place that I'm familiar with, if it's a parish that I, you know, do music at regularly or if it's my parish, then I know the, the type of music at each mass. And then the first thing that I'll do is go to the readings for the day. And I'll read them through the first reading, psalm, second reading, gospel. And additionally, you know, any kind of prayers for that mass, the collect, etc. And see if I can find any verses in there that, that I know from hymns. And I'll try my best to incorporate any kind of scripture into at least a handful of the, the songs that, that I choose for that day. Sometimes that isn't you know, available. Sometimes it's more obscure stuff that isn't, you know, set to music, in which case I admit I have my preferences. So I'll usually go and see, you know, which ones I like that would fit nicely into the day. If it's ordinary time, that gives me a huge choice of things to, you know, decide upon. And then, you know, for each part of the mass, you know, for an entrance hymn, I'll make something a little more processionally, something that is sort of walking tempo. For offertory and communion, I'll do something more meditative. And for communion hymn, 
I'll want to try my best to make it um, Eucharistic in, in the text. And then for a recessional, I'll try to do something a little bombastic. <laughs> but I try my best to stick to the scripture of the day as best I can, as well as any feast there happens to be that day. I'll try to draw from that mostly. Um, but yes, for for Easter and Christmas, it's very easy. <laughs> but for ordinary time, you know, it, it gives us a huge, a huge pool from which to choose from. So I do sometimes get stuck, but coming back to the scripture is usually the best I find. In the the parts of the Mass, the particularly the ones that are called for to sing, and, and there are a number of places where there is a, in the general instruction of the Roman Missal, for example, where, and even the, the, the USCCB document, Sing to the Lord, talks about the priest having this role of also bringing forth in the liturgy the musical aspect, the aspect that is also prayer as well, or, you know, the, those who sing pray twice. So how how do you see that, th- those mass parts? We've talked about maybe a bit of hymnody, but how do we see these different parts of the mass and, and then the role of the priest and, and even the deacon in the in sacred music and the liturgy? So for the sung mass parts, I think it's really beautiful if we go down to texts themselves, you know, being starting off the mass outside of Lent, we sing the the Gloria, the beautiful song of praise. It's so beautiful that we start the mass with that. And then to surround, you know, the liturgy of the Eucharist with the um, Eucharistic acclamations. It's so important, I think, on Sundays and the daily masses that we can to sing those because they're so important in the in the texts. Holy, 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 I think, is just something that begs to be sung. And as far as having priests and deacons, having, you know, being able to follow them if they prefer to, to chant the certain parts, like the beginning of the gospel, or if they lead us into the Kyrie, um, it's really... Um, lovely to have that sort of collaboration between the priest and the the people that as we sing together. And I always find that that I make sure that I check in with the priests that are going to be saying masses that I'm playing for or singing for to make sure that we're on the same page so that we all we know what's going on so that we can make a cohesive prayer from start to finish. And it really does, end up being very beautiful when it all gels together nicely. Yeah, there's there's something, and I, not to plug, but I, I have written a blog post on our website about the joy of music, and it's a very rare blog post for me, but one of the things that kind of going along with what Emily was just talking about, the idea of, I always feel that music at mass is what really brings me into the the moment and really brings everything kind of 180 or 360 or just you know like embodies everything that when i think of mass and i think of it's you know what it's supposed to have its effect on me and i i think it encapsulates itself in the music 
I find myself, so you know, whenever we go to a mass, maybe where there isn't music, it's a little bit of a letdown. Um, you know, now that now that mass is ever a letdown or should be ever a letdown, but there is a little bit of you know, oh, I was really hoping to hear X, Y, and Z, or it's that time of year, and you know, I, and so there is such an interesting thing about traveling and hearing the different types of music and the decisions that perhaps a musical director or the priest or the parish might make in terms of what kind of music and the, and ha- what instruments they're going to be using a piano or an organ or, or you know all kinds of things it really is it really just i think music gives a whole new a whole layer of experience and i think can really be a way to draw someone more closer to Christ and and, and, you, and especially, you know, folks that may not go regularly or perhaps have been away. I think music can really be that force that, that brings them back. It sounds too, Emily, like when you're choosing songs to accompany just the songs that are already part of the liturgy, like not only is the music itself a beautiful expression of art, but it's almost like you're choreographing a little bit. Like I, I grew up as a dancer. And so I'm, I see it almost as this like beautiful choreography of like, how can we as, you know, or how can you as a music director, how can you help facilitate an experience for the parish that is meditative, as you said, or prayerful? Like, I think that the beauty of the liturgy is that it involves all the senses and the faithful are called to participate too. And and one one of the primary ways we participate sitting in the pews is through song. We may not be lectors or altar servers or extraordinary ministers, but we can all sing, even if it's not professional or even if we're a little out of tune. And it's just beautiful that song has been part of the liturgy from the very beginning of of what we know as church. Can you share anything about kind of historic, the history of song in the mass? Like, is that something that you'd feel comfortable talking about? I'm sure that our listeners would love to to know that because I, you know, even in, even Paul is saying, is instructing the disciples to sing together psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And we hear of of Jesus right before he goes to the garden before his passion singing a hymn as as they were praying at their Passover meal. So would you like to talk a little bit about some of the history of music within the church or maybe within Judaism? Sure. So from the very beginning of Christianity, the Catholic Church was really the one that was driving Western music as a whole from the beginning. And the, the purpose of music in the Mass was because, you know, it was the majority of the liturgy, the people couldn't understand or they, they couldn't hear. So the music would be what they would be praying with. You know, it was the mass parts that they could hear, that they would have memorized, that, that would be their aid to prayer. Especially, you know, when people would go to mass who couldn't read, who, you know, wouldn't be able to read the Bible, the, the music would be there for them to sort of memorize and and help them to pray the best they could. And 
the Catholic Church has really been at the front of music from the beginning. You know, the modern scale as we know it was created by a monk in the Middle Ages. And it's it's really remarkable to see the evolution of music and how we still use the same prayers of song every day in mass that we've used for the whole time and it's it's beautiful to to really realize that you know these were created so that we could pray together in unison with every other mass that's going on throughout the whole world and has been doing so for thousands of years and will continue to do so and i really think that it's beautiful when you stop to think about you know how long we've been praying these prayers in song and you know we'll you know do that every day <laughs> sometimes there there are those and I think you gave in giving that great historical context sometimes there are those who might see music as some kind of almost window dressing or it, it's it's an addendum Certainly in the Eastern rites of the Catholic Church, it's, it's integral because so much is chanted. But it, it, it seems at times in the, in the West, particularly in certain cultures, there's always that music is just a part of their, and it and flows right into worship. And it's true in our culture to a certain extent. But there, there are those who say, well, I just want quiet mass. What would you say to that? And what are the ways in which we can help to form people? And I want to get back to this other piece about forming and how sacred music can help in faith formation, but also how do we help to form people in understanding the role of sacred music within the, the liturgy in particular? Yeah. So I think that a lot of that comes from not really understanding, you know, a lot of people will think of, sacred music or church music as background music or, you know, interlude music, you know, while the priest is setting up for (laughs) the second half of mass and not really, you know, stopping to think maybe they've had bad experiences, you know, in mass and really they just don't have the best experience with sacred music. But I think that like what Chris was saying earlier, that you can really feel a difference in the attitude of the people, you know, how, how I pray at mass when there's music versus not music is very different. I find that it's not as involved, at least me personally. And I, I think that that's, you know, an experience that's shared by others that, that it's, it's not quite the same without the music. And, and even in, in the liturgy of the hours, it, it calls for some prayers to be sung as well, which just emphasizes that the church realizes how important music is to aid prayer. And I think that it's key for church musicians and even people who are singing in the pews to, you know, help make the music beautiful. If you have a talent, <laughs> um, you know, to aid in making the music at your parish beautiful because I think that that's the key is to, you know, for the, for us musicians at mass, I, I try to remind myself that it's not about me. You know, this is not a performance. I'm here 
to aid and not to distract or, you know, draw attention in any way. And so I think that that's, that's key to making sacred music good. What are, would you say are some of the ways in which sacred music can help to form people well in the faith? And what are some of the ways that, that they could be maybe formed poorly? I think that if it, you know, if you really dive into the the texts of hymns, you know, a lot of times we have these hymns memorized and we don't really think about what we're singing. But if you really, you know, look at the hymnal in your hand and really listen to the words that you're singing, I think that there's a lot of scriptural, you know, gold to be mined from these texts. Um, and I think that that's, you know, the purpose. A lot of the scripture that I have memorized is because I've sung a hymn with that line or lines over and over again, and it's in my head. So I think, you know, it's a great way for people to get to know the word of God even closer. And when it comes to the parts of the mass, like, you know, the Kyrie, the Gloria, understanding, you know, why those texts are, where they come from, you know, really reading what it says, understanding the prayer and, and saying, you know, what is this glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to people of good, you know, going through and really diving into what that text means, I think is a good way to form oneself in the prayers of the church. And, you know, it's easy because you have time, you're sitting in mass to really think about what you're saying and, and the purpose of what, what that is. Let's say there's someone uh, listening to the to this podcast, maybe that is interested in the sacred music, liturgical music, singing at church. You know, they maybe they they dabble. They they may have a great voice, and they find themselves you know interested in this line of music. Do you have any advice on how someone could you know find their footing, or maybe like where they can get started in terms of you know to kind of bring themselves to perhaps where you are today? My, yeah, how I got to where I am, I really just loved singing at mass in the pew. I did so very loudly (laughs) and I really fell in love with, with the sacred music that I heard at mass. You know, I would memorize my favorite hymns. I would knew the mass settings that I liked to sing. And I'd say anybody that finds themselves even a little bit inclined towards, you know, aiding in sacred music at their parish in any way to talk to their music director or their pastor and say, I'd really like to help. And I don't know how I, I promise that the music director will have a job for you <laughs> because it, it really is really encouraging to see people who love music at mass because oftentimes, you know, I think that I find myself worrying like, do people like this? You know, are, are people, you know, really getting something out of this? And to know that, you know, there are people that want to help, that want to share their gifts, you know, I think speak up if you don't feel comfortable. It's, it's even wonderful for me to hear if I'm, you know, playing the organ for a mass. It is so wonderful to hear people singing with me because that's really what it is. I, there's nothing more beautiful than a church full of people singing their lungs out. It really brings tears to my eyes because that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be all singing together. So if you're, you know, not comfortable singing as a cantor or playing, singing loudly from the pews is so needed. 
I agree. And I think that that shows too, again, like the universality and the unity within the church that we can all do this together uh, at different levels, at different decibels. But that, you know, really singing and music is a form of evangelization and can be, like you said, a form of catechesis. And I love what Pope Francis said in Evangelii Gaudium that every form of catechesis would do well to attend to the way of beauty because beauty is is something that all of us are drawn to, truth, beauty, and goodness. And music and art are expressions of beauty and it, they just draw people in. And Pope Francis goes on to say that proclaiming Christ means showing that to believe in and to follow him is not only something right and true, but also something beautiful, capable of filling life with new splendor and profound joy, even in the midst of difficulties. So, you know, I think that people turn to music in times of suffering too, or in times of pain. There's just something about giving into some type of art form. And I think music just has a very powerful way of drawing us out and, and easing suffering, but also of, like you said, enabling us to praise or to experience joy. You know, songs can ex- express the whole range of, of the human experience and human feelings. And we see that in the Psalms themselves from David, which were songs. So yeah, I just think that that art has such a way of evangelizing and catechizing and I don't think we necessarily think about that when we're singing Alleluia or the glory um, when we're, we're in Mass. I agree. I think we can get caught up sometimes in, oh, I do this every time. But I think sometimes to stop ourselves and to think, you know, what, what am I singing? It really strikes you and is, is a beautiful thing to stop and think about every so often. Yeah, and then you find that you've memorized Scripture without even knowing it just because it's been put in song form. And I know that for me personally, in my prayer life, music has been instrumental, no pun intended, in allowing me to just pray, you know, as St. Paul says, without ceasing. When you get a song stuck in your head, especially one that is scripture based, you know, it kind of just is going on in the background while you're living your life and it can be a form of prayer. So I found that I find that really beautiful. So in Sing to the Lord, there's this line that really jumped out at me. It says, liturgical musicians are first of all disciples, and only then are they ministers. And we we talk a great deal at Catholic Apostolate Center about missionary discipleship or apostleship, living as, as followers of the Lord. How does that that particular line strike you and as 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 you have been growing in your faith over over many years from a young age? singing at mass and 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 really entering into it how has it helped you as a as a disciple of Christ in growing as a, as a disciple of Christ this and then in addition to that being a a pastoral musician i find that whenever i'm struggling in my faith really music brings me back you know it reminds me of what i believe in and it really reinforces my faith in times of doubt that the beauty of music, you know, this wonderful gift that we've been given is so 
we should be so grateful for, and I am so grateful for it, and it really does strengthen my faith and my prayer life. I find that I'm able to pray better when I'm singing. It feels more whole to me. And I think, you know, music can be used as a great tool to reach those who might be struggling, who might feel lost. I think that that music is able to communicate ideas and words in, in sometimes a more profound way than speaking. So I think it's it's definitely a way that can reach people that wouldn't otherwise hear the gospel. You know, I've if I'm playing or singing for a wedding where there are people that maybe haven't been to church ever or in a long time, you know, and they'll say like, that was lovely music. I really hope that, that the music and the words were able to reach them in a way that maybe they'll want to come back and, and hear more and maybe, you know, take in the beauty of the church and the beauty of the gospel. So I think music is invaluable to, evangelizing, to strengthening us as disciples, as members of the church, as followers of Christ. Well, thank you very much, Emily. It's been a absolute pleasure talking with you about this topic. I think uh, it's one that uh, I hope I hope that our listeners enjoy. I know it's one that we all enjoyed talking about. And thank you for taking the time to, to speak with us about music in the church today. You guys, everyone listening, you can find more resources on this topic and many other topics on our website at catholicapostolatecenter.org. And this, of course, wraps up another episode of On Mission from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. You can find this and other center podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or our special podcast website, catholicapostolatecenterpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast by the Catholic Apostolate Center. Please review and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts to stay up to date on the latest content from the Center and go to catholicapostolatecenter.org for more resources.